0: So I probably don't have to inform many of you at the 95th Street campus, Bolingbroke campus, Wheaton or Hobson, that today there's a little game being played. Did you know that? This is Super Bowl Sunday, and it just amazes me how popular this event is. Do you know it is the number one televised event in the whole calendar. Every year, the Super Bowl always dominates the viewing charts. It's got twice as many viewers as like number two on the list. Last year, 114 million people tuned in to watch the Super Bowl. This year, they think it'll be even more. I mean, it's just hundred and some million. Can you imagine that? So many viewers that the TV ads are so expensive. To get a 30-second ad, you need $5 million. Just, it's gone. Five million. Just like that. Isn't that incredible? I got a buddy who works for Frito-Lay, and he tells me that this is their biggest weekend of the year. They sell more salty chips on this weekend. He goes, we just, everything centered around in our company, sell Super Bowl, Sunday. Isn't it amazing, the, the popularity of this sport? And okay, you're going to think this is a stretch. Is there a spiritual reason the Super Bowl is so popular? Really, Jeff, you're going to make a spiritual connection? Oh, I am. You bet I am. Let's think about it. What is it about football? Football is this sport where these teammates have very diverse expertise. You know, the size varies on the people, right? you got these huge linemen that are just so good at blocking. And then you got littler guys who are good at throwing. And then you got other guys who run like the wind and can catch, and and still others who kick. I mean, all these diverse skill sets, unified as one team, working together to achieve that noble objective. Folks, what's interesting about the body of Christ, we're about to study the fruit, we studied the fruit last week, the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the spirit are unique abilities. God, in the church, has brought together a team of people diversely gifted, asking them to strive in unison towards a great objective. I would argue that this, this assignment that we have with a spiritual gift within the local church team, it's, it's written in our DNA. God made us to long for that. And just maybe a little bit of that resonates with football. In fact, I'd go so far as to say the Apostle Paul, who taught most about the spiritual gifts, I think he would have used football as his analogy for the spiritual gifts. Now, we'll ask him when we get to heaven, and I might be wrong. I don't think I am. He will use football. First of all, I know this. Paul loved using sporting analogies. He used boxing. He used running. But what's interesting is that in Paul's day, there were no team sports. In the first century, the Olympics were huge, and all the Olympic events were individual sports. The Olympics went for over a thousand years, just individual sports. With Paul's fondness for athletic imagery, I'm wondering. Now, the analogy that he did use is brilliant, and I love it as well. The analogy he chose was the human body. He said the body's got different parts. You've got hands and head and ears and eyes and feet each part uniquely gifted to work together as a team to make the body one and effective. So it was a brilliant analogy. I just wonder if he would have liked football had it been available. Now, I'm going to do this, if you allow me, being Super Bowl Sunday. I am going to use both the body analogy, as Paul delivers it, and 1 Corinthians 12. And then I may make some football references along the way. And if you hate football, I apologize. Uh, uh, Anyways. Okay, here we go. You ready? Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. If you'd like to read along in the Bible, we provide, you'll find this passage on page 1151. It says in verse 1 Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You may say, I'm uninformed. What's not good? Paul knew we need to understand spiritual gifts. They are at the core of God's redemption strategy in this world. And so this is a must. And Paul felt so much that it was a must that he goes on for three chapters in 1 Corinthians. Chapters 12, 13, and 14 are all about spiritual gifts. With that much content, I can't teach on it all. I had to pick something, and so I've chosen to focus in on this body analogy because I think more than anything, it expresses the beauty of God's plan. I, I want you to love spiritual gifts. I want you to just say, I love that God invented that whole strategy. It's brilliant, it's beautiful. And I think this analogy makes that so clear. So to focus on that analogy, I I need to give you just a little orientation to what spiritual gifts are. So first of all, we talk about people being gifted. It means that they have some unique ability. Well, that's helpful because the spiritual gifts are an ability, an enabling It's God by his Holy Spirit enabling you to be unusually effective at your area of service within the local church. God gives you skill, if you will, supernatural skill in being able to do something. Now, some people say, how does this supernatural skill compare to a natural talent? That's a fantastic question. I I would say they're similar. They're both, you know, enabling you to do something well. They're both gifts from God. I think we should pause to acknowledge that. If you've got a talent, a talent is when you're genetically disposed to do something well. You know, your parents were good at it and you're good at it. It's genetic. Or a talent develops through opportunity to practice and gain experience at something. All of that's a gift from God. So if you've got a talent, that too is a gift from God. But a talent you don't actually need God. You've kind of got it. And you can be good at that thing apart from his divine intervention in the moment. A spiritual gift isn't like that. A spiritual gift is the working of God in the moment. You are exercising uh, faithful service to him within the local church as you're seeking to serve him in the local church, he's empowering you by the Spirit of God to do that. Now, what does that mean? That means that we better be dependent on him. If we fail to be dependent on him, we can go without his divine assistance. And I think in some cases, as I talk about talents and gifts, I think some cases talents are merged with gifts. You know, you have a natural gifting towards something, a genetic inclination towards it, but it—the gifting takes you to this level. When the Spirit of God infuses that with His supernatural help, takes your effectiveness to a whole other level. Um, as I've wrestled with this topic I, as regarding to my preaching gift, I think that that's how it is for me. I'm guessing that there may be some. Uh, Genetic disposition. I say that because my dad's a gifted communicator, my brother down at our Wheaton campus, a gifted communicator. And so I wonder is there a little genetic side of it? But then I know this I, I was terrible at it at first so scared that teachers had to give me a special dispensation from public speaking because I would have panic attacks associated with it. And they're just like, hey, how about we not require you to do that, Jeff? It was was that bad. And then when the Spirit of God started to flow through me, uh, I developed a capacity that I didn't have before. So I wonder if in my case it's a combination of both natural talent and a lot of spirit uh, empowerment through a spiritual gift. Well, you say, well, what are these spiritual gifts? That's a fantastic question. And we find in Scripture that there are a number of lists of spiritual gifts. In fact, here in 1 Corinthians 12, there are two lists, one at the beginning of the chapter, one at the end. In Romans chapter 12, another list of spiritual gifts. In Ephesians 4, another list of spiritual gifts. Some of the gifts overlap in the same list. Some lists are different altogether than the other lists. Scholars have kind of looked at all of her Scriptures and finding all of them, pulling them together. Some scholars will tell you there are 18 spiritual gifts. Others will say, no, no, there's 21. Others will say, there's 28. And honestly, I don't think that debate is helpful. I don't believe the spiritual gifts are meant to say these are the only ways that the Spirit of God empowers people in service to Him. I think these are meant to be examples of ways that God empowers. I mean, we got tech people that are enabling me to communicate right now. Do they have the spiritual gift of doing their tech well? Yes. Where's tech found in the Bible? It's not. But I'm convinced the Spirit's enabling them to serve and do their job well. So don't get too hung up on how many gifts there are. Now, to provide some direction or explanation on the, what the spiritual gifts are, we have some we're going to hand out. So at all four campuses, let's, let's pass out this little trifold handout called the spiritual gifts. And it lists 19 of them. Are they all of them? no. This is meant to be a sampling for you to study. Now, when I say you to study, not for you to study now. Alright? If you study during my sermon, I will be, I may weep. I'll be offended. I'll allow you to glance at it. All right. Five seconds and no more. Uh, study this, would you, in, in your own time, because I wish I had the time to go through all the spiritual gifts and explain them all, but. There's too many, and I don't have time, so I'm choosing to focus on the biblical analogy of the Bible. But we provide this so that you can study on your own. Uh, A few things. uh, I just want to mention that sometimes there's much debate about the definition of what each gift actually was. And if you disagree with some of the definitions in this list, that's fine. You may be right. I would also point out, some would say, hey, where are those like funky, miraculous gifts that aren't here. There's some gifts like healing, miracles, tongues. They're, they're not in here. We are going to talk about those next week, though. So be here for that. But this is for your uh, enjoyment and further study. All right. Folks, with that sense of what a spiritual gift is, let's study the beauty of God's plan by looking at the analogy of the human body and a little football. All right, here we go. Ready? First beautiful attribute of God's plan of spiritual gifts is this concept of belonging. Belonging. Uh, God wants all Christians to feel like they belong to the church, the body of Christ. As verse 15 says, now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. Paul's pointing to the folly of these body parts, arguing that they don't belong because they're different. He's like, no, if you have a unique function for the human body, that makes you a part of the body. Part of what makes us feel a part of the body is that we have something to bring. Part of what makes us feel part of the church here is that we have a gifting, a skill, an ability given to us by the Holy Spirit to bring to the table and to serve. God wants you to feel a part of this church. The church is not meant to be an event people attend, but a family, a team they belong to. And the spiritual gifts bring that dynamic into focus. You know, I'm thinking of uh, Patriot fans. Here, take a look at this picture. They're crazy, right? If they wear the jersey, they can wear the jersey, but that doesn't make them a player, does it? They can scream and holler and say, I love the Patriots. But the reality is they're just fans. They're not a player. God doesn't want Christians to be fans in the stands, but players on the field. Now, I know when you first arrive at our church, you may be a fan in the stand. At first, you come, and you're like, I'm just checking this place out. I'm just learning about what Christianity really is all about, what life with God is like. It's awesome. Take your time. Come, enjoy, and learn. At first, people say, I'm getting so much out of church. That's great. But eventually, God wants to bring you to a place where it's not getting, but about giving, And where you say, I don't want to just come to get. I want to come to give. I want to get in the game. And uh, that's what makes you really feel like you belong to this place. There's a guy uh, who I met the very first day. He was a first-time guest to our church. He came in, and he had that look on his face. Uh, Have you seen... Guests before you can spot them sometimes. Maybe we spotted you. You know, you're a guest and you had that look on your face like, Where am I? This is weird. You know, the video venue, like, The preacher's not here. He's talking to me via video. And you're kind of checking things out. But little by little, that changes. With this guy, he was freaking out, but I saw him the second week and I'm like, Hey, you came back. Thanks. And he's like, yeah, I'm not sure yet. I'm still checking it out. And I'm like, hey, that's fine. Take your time. Third week, I, I happened to see this guy. He sat in the same place every week. And so I'd shake his hand talk to him. And I could just see him warming up and that sense of home. And then I'll never forget, uh, I came walking in, and he's standing there with a stack of the navigators, joined the usher team, passing them out. And he looked at me with a wink, and he said, I'm on board. I'm like, yes, you are. And I could tell that he was a part of the body. He belonged. Why? Through finding a spiritual gift and a role to play, he was no longer just a fan in the stands, a player on the field. Belonging. One of the great benefits of God's plan here. Next is uniqueness. Verse 17 says this If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Everybody, and you should know this every single Christian, the Bible says, has at least one spiritual gift. If you're a Christian, you've got the Holy Spirit, and He has at least one spiritual gift for you. Now, everybody's got a unique gift. If we all had the same gift, what effectiveness would there be there? If the whole body was an eye, that would be weird looking for one, but it wouldn't be very functional either. And so God says, uh, you can't all be the same thing. I talked with a high school football coach last night at our service, and he said, you know, when I started the football year with freshmen, I asked them, hey, what position do you want to play? They all say, quarterback, and they all want to play the same position. If everybody were a quarterback, would that be effective? No. And so God has given unique positions to everybody. Uh, I remember once I wanted to be a worship leader. Uh, I was just enamored with worship leading. I thought to myself, Preaching is nice. It's communicating truth, but, but song, that's where it's at. That's the truth of God put in poetic beauty, infused, soaring with music behind it. That's where it's at. You know? and so, I, My wife actually bought me a guitar, and I bought books, and I set aside time every day to read, study, and practice. And then I begged God, Lord, it's not going well. Help me learn this instrument. God, I want to be a worship leader. And God said, No, you're going to be awful forever at that. <laughs> really, I, I felt in my heart, God said, Jeff, you're right, you're getting worse the more you practice. And that's because I will never, never empower you in that area. Why? Jeff, everybody can't be a worship leader. We all are given unique gifts, and we need to embrace and celebrate the uniqueness of our gift. That brings us to the next point, and that is he's the designer who picks what unique gift you have. The design of God is the next beautiful part of God's plan. Verse 18, it says this. But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be, you don't get to pick your gift. He picks what spiritual gift you will have. In fact, he loves designing the human body with each part where it is. He loves designing the local each local church, with each part being where it is, gifted in just the right way and called to just the right area of service. Uh, God is a master designer. He's like the general manager of a football team. You know, in fact, the the Philadelphia Eagles who are in the Super Bowl today, their uh, general manager is a guy by the name of Howie Roseman. Here's a picture. Howie is the youngest. He was hired to be the general manager at the age of 34. Youngest executive uh, brought in at that time. And he's this year been voted the... uh, number one executive of the year in the NFL. People marvel at how this guy turned the Eagles around from a losing franchise to this year they went 13-3 and and they're in the Super Bowl. And people are like, how did he do that? I'll tell you how a manager does that. Get the right people with the right skills in the right positions. That's what a general manager does. And that's what God does. God loves saying, all right, I want you here and I'm gonna give you this skill, this spiritual gift. And I want you here. And friends, I would tell you, this team at all four of our campuses, God recruited. He's the general manager. He traded for you. He drafted you to be a part of this team. And so the question I have for you is why are you here? What role did he bring you here to play? That is unbelievably important. In fact, pursuing clarity on what your spiritual gift is and what your calling to contribute to the local church is is so, so vitally important. In fact, the campus pastors, after I'm done preaching, are going to provide some next steps on how you can go on that journey of discovery if you haven't already discovered what your spiritual gift or gifts are. Because uh, that's so important. So God, what, what is... My spiritual gift. Show me why you've got me on this team. God's the designer. Next, next beautiful part of God's plan is dependency. Yes, dependency. I love this one. Look at verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are actually indispensable. It's one of the great parts of the body is that the feet are there because we need them. And the hands are there because we need them. Every part of the body, we need it. And that's part of how the church operates. God has created interdependence, mutual dependency on each other, where we look at each other and we say, man, I can't do what you can do. So I'm so glad I've got you. Because I need you, and, and you need me, and we need each other. It's the beauty of, of, of God's plan. Uh, this interdependency will be demonstrated today at the Super Bowl. Uh, one of these two quarterbacks here uh, will be on a stand receiving a lot of uh, applause Tom Brady, uh, Nick Foles. Uh, just for the record, Nick Foles this week was asked, What do you want to do when you uh, are done playing football? And he said, I want to be a pastor. So I'll be rooting for the Eagles today. And so uh, when one of them becomes the champion today, when the microphone is thrust in their face, I guarantee you what they'll say. I couldn't have done this without my teammates. My offensive line gave me time to make the pass. Our defense won the game. Our special teams, man, they gave us field position that we needed. They, trust me, and they will be genuine I couldn't have done it without my team. That interdependence is part of team life and it's part of the beauty of the church too. We need each other. Uh, I need you. I, I saw this just this week where there's a, a, a friend of mine who I uh, just am so enthused. She, started att- she wasn't a church goer. She started attending our church and uh, this week she cornered me and she said, Jeff, I love our church. I'm like, phew. She goes, I've been coming for six months now. I come every week. She goes, we came home from vacation early, to, so we didn't miss church. And I'm like, it's working. I'm so thrilled. And she goes, you want to know what I love about our church? And I'm like, go ahead, tell me. It's the preaching, right? Yeah. No, it ain't the preaching. She said, what I love about our church is that, that volunteer who works with my son's small group, There's a volunteer at Compass Kids who works with my son and he has made my son feel like a million bucks. My son, seven-year-old son, loves coming to church. Because of that volunteer, I am so thankful for him. And I will tell you, I don't know who you are, but I am so thankful for you because God's doing a special thing in my friend and I need you to do what you do to see the win in her life. We need each other. Do you see the brilliance of God's plan? Let's go to the next uh, one. What is the next one? Appreciation. Verse 23 and 24. Oh, this may make me blush, all right? Private parts. Here we go. The parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked the honor. What Paul's thinking about is clothing here. Paul's using this body analogy and trying to get all he can out of it, and he's like, it dawns on me, Paul would say, that clothing is like adornment, it's honor. We buy stylish clothing to hang over the parts of the body that are not for public viewing. And he says, you know, it's kind of like in the church, too. Just like we like to honor those more private parts, so God loves to honor those people in the body who don't get the public honor. Look at this last phrase God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. God loves honoring those who faithfully serve in the shadows. I understand this part, I'm one of those who needs no special treatment. I'm, I'm in the spotlight. I get the pat on the back. Thank you, pastor. And so God has no strong inclination to make sure I get more honor. He has lots of inclination to give all of you faithfully serve year after year, decade after decade. Only Jesus knows. I have no idea. Our staff don't know all that you do for the service of his bride, the church but he longs to honor you. Uh, This dynamic of God uh, is seen in Jesus. Jesus said, the least will be first. The servants in the kingdom will be the greatest. Uh, The the Bible talks about the Bema seat judgment. When we get to heaven, there'll be an award ceremony where God points out the faithful servants. And in that event, the people who are first, you wonder who are first, won't be me. It'll be those who have faithfully served in the shadows without any, without much uh, human applause. That's just the heart of God. It it reminds me of uh, my buddy who said, My mom worked for the Chicago Bears back in 1985 when the Bears won the Super Bowl. She was a secretary in the back office. And you know what McCaskey did? He gave her a ring. I got to see his his mom's Super Bowl ring. And what McCaskey was saying is, I, I have a desire to honor those people who never get in front of the TV, and I want to show them how grateful. That heart to honor those faithfully serving behind the scenes—that's the heart of God, and He longs. He can't wait till that Bema seat where He gives that honor to those who have it coming. This dawns on me. If this great Bema award ceremony is coming, maybe we can bring a little Bema now. Maybe you can bring a little Bema now. I could use your help towards this end. If God's heart is to honor faithful servants, maybe you can find faithful servants in our church. Maybe you can spot people working with Compass Kids or out in the parking lot or whatever ministry and grab them. Say, look me in the eyes. Thank you for what you do. You don't get enough thanks. Jesus is so grateful for your faithful service, and so am I. Can you be a little bringer of the Bema to people even now? That'd be a great mission, reflecting the heart of God. All right, after appreciation, how about this? Unity, one of the great results of God's brilliant spiritual gift plan is unity. Unity. Verse 25, so that, this is the result, so that there should be no division in the body. A a church divided does not reflect the heart of God. God wants the church to be wonderfully, supernaturally unified. And that happens through this interdependency. I need you, you need me. Let's work together with our gifts to advance the cause of Christ. That bonds people in a special way. It's like foxhole community. You ever heard of foxhole? That's like soldiers fighting shoulder-to-shoulder life and death. Foxhole community is very different from country club community. I've never been a part of a country club, but I can imagine, you know, sitting around (laughs) sipping your tea, you know, wine glasses, clink, uh, how's it going today? That's a community, and it's great if you're enjoying that. But I would tell you that differs from when you have a mission, And you're a team striving to accomplish something great. And the church is not to be country club community. We are to be foxhole community, bonded together because together we're giving our blood, sweat, and tears to advance the cause of Christ. All right, unity, how about concern? One of the beautiful results of this great unity and this bonding that occurs is concern for one another. Verse 25 continues, the body's parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part of the body suffers, every part of the body suffers with it. Isn't that beautiful? You don't say, ow, my hand is suffering. No, if your hand's suffering, you're suffering. And the same is true with the church. We grieve with those who grieve. And if someone is suffering, one of the ways you know that you've become the body of Christ unified through mutual dependency because of the spiritual gifts, one of the ways you know is you care. Your heart aches for those teammates who are going through a hard time. I saw this just this last week. There's a team in in our church you may not know of. We have a driving team. Uh, I I have the opportunity to preach six times every weekend, which involves driving back and forth between our Hobson campus and our Wheaton campus, and to help me to not have to focus on driving and get a little mental break. There's a team of guys that drive me, and they're good, man, I'm telling you. If you would see, these guys are spirit-empowered drivers. They have the spiritual gift of speed, and it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> and they've become a team. They're, they're, they're united. In fact, I had to tell the team that one of our teammates lost his job a week ago. After 20 years of faithfully serving at the same company, the position eliminated, shown the door. And it was so beautiful. When I told the teammates about their friend, you should have seen the facial contortion as they're like, no, no. Yeah. Oh, you're kidding me. And I saw them suffering. They didn't even know this guy months ago but by serving on the same team, they have been brought into community in a special way that has caused them to feel the pain of their friend. It's a sign that God's doing something special. Not only the bad suffering, but also the good honoring. Look look at the next one. This last one here is pride. And by pride, I don't mean... uh, By pride, I... (laughs) I saw that flash. Let's go back to that picture. Uh, In the NFL, here's a picture of concern, huh? You ever seen this? When one player gets hurt, who's come close and on their knees and agonizing for their friend? Teammates. When you're on the same team, it brings about that kind of concern. Let's go to pride. By pride, I don't mean arrogance. I mean, I'm proud of you. This is the good pride, where you rejoice in the honor of a friend, a teammate. Verse 26 continues, if one part of the body is honored, every part rejoices with it. <laughs> this is when you know God's doing something really special because our natural inclination is to be jealous of those who are honored. Ah, oh, how come they get that? How come I don't get that? That's the human response. When God's doing a supernatural work, unifying a team heart to heart, And when you look at your teammate who's being blessed and honored, and you're like, I am so happy for them. I am so proud of them. I delight in their victory. That's special. That's the pinnacle, if you will, of the supernatural bonding God is seeking to create through empowering us, each with a spiritual gift, calling us to work as a team to advance his cause. Beautiful, brilliant idea. I'm so glad he came up with it. Let me just end with this simple reminder. Today's football game will be valiantly striving to win this, a Super Bowl trophy. There we go. (laughs) Super Bowl trophy. Uh, Folks, let's just remember, that is folly. I mean, who, who... Again, I'm going to watch the game and love every minute of it. But in the end, the objective is not significant. It's this piece of whatever metal and glass that is. Compare that to our objective. Are we striving to win some silly trophy? No. We have been called to fight for the most noble and exalted objective in the universe. And that's the advance of the kingdom of Almighty God. His reign, the reign of Jesus Christ as king of the universe, is our objective, extending that with his help throughout our world. People are lost in our communities without Jesus wandering in pain apart from life as it was meant to be in fellowship with their maker. And God has called us to go get them and to guide them and help them find reconciliation with God through what Christ did on the cross and friendship with God for all eternity in a place in heaven in God's family. That's our objective. How important is that? Our objective is not only to help those who don't know God yet know him, but to help those who do know him soar, like our kids, for example, to help them grow up and to be passionate, victorious Christ followers. Or adults who are struggling with spiritual apathy, to help them grow in fire of love for God. I mean, this is what we're striving for, and nothing is more important than the advance of the eternal cause of the God of the universe. And so how cool is that? That God said, all right, you're, you're all a team. I've pulled you together. And I have an assignment for each of you. And I have a gifting by the Spirit that will enable you to find God within you by the Spirit, empowering you to have effect. And as you're all having great Spirit-empowered effect, you'll depend on each other and work together and fight together as a, as a team to advance my eternal cause. What a privilege it is to be living that glorious vision with all of you. I love how God made the church to be what it is. Would you pray with me? Father, we just want to pause and, uh, well, give you thanks for your invention. You know, Thinking back, you know, in eternity past, you came up with the idea, spiritual gifts. I know, I'm going to mobilize them all. I'm going to give them all a role and a, an ability Lord, brilliant. It's one thing to read about it on paper. It's another thing to live it. And God, our prayer is, may your vision expressed in your Bible become a, increasingly become a reality in all four of our campuses. Please, God, let an audience become an army. Let, let guests become members of the team. God, would you please move us, give us the courage to hear your call to cling to your spirit, and to step forward faithfully striving to serve in the way that you've called us to. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, uh, at all of our campuses, we're about to sing a song that focuses on this concept of surrender. I surrender, God. There might be a battle going on right now. You know, you got God saying, hey, I'm the general manager of this team. I've got you here for a reason. I want you in the game. I have a gifting. I want you to find it. and I want you to use it. And we're like, oh, no, no, I don't want to. I like being a fan in the stands, not a player on the field. And God says, well, who's in charge here? You or me? Uh, who's the Lord? And this is a chance for us in song to say, you are. I surrender. I surrender my life to you. Use me in whatever way you would have. I surrender my spiritual gift to you. You gave it to me for you to use, to your cause. So, Lord, you're the general manager. I surrender my life to you. Let's sing together.